So we are at John chapter 14. John chapter 14. We're going to look at verses 1 through 14, but we're going to the famous saying is verse 6. John chapter 14. Now, this is a pivotal passage, John 14, 15, 16. These are the last words of Christ. You know, you've heard it said that some of the most important words of folks are the last words that they say before they die. I uh, read a message along those lines years ago, and it was quite interesting, some of the famous sayings that come out of those last days. And then there were some that, you know, just bless their heart, they didn't say anything important, you know. Uh, but uh, w- one of the most moving things uh, one particular fellow is credited for saying is that uh, at the end of his life, he said, I don't know or can imagine that anyone has ever said, I wish I would have spent more time at the office. Instead, it was, I wish I would have spent more time with family. I wish I'd have spent more time doing things for the Lord, you know, and such of that nature. Faith and family. And, and certainly, uh, this is Jesus' concentration here in these last days, really, last hours. He's trying to make sure that the 11 that are going to make it, that they know what they need to know. And so... Uh, This setting is between the upper room and the garden of Gethsemane. They're walking past the great gates uh, of the temple where you'll see a vine emblazoned upon those doors. And so Jesus is talking to them about the vine. And of course, that's Israel and people being grafted into the vine. And of course, now he's talking about himself. But here in John 14, he's talking to them about heaven. And so uh, we're going to dive in here at John chapter 14. Let's stand for the reading and reverence of God's holy word. Jesus says, just very simply, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Now, this is where Doubting Thomas interjects And I'm not trying to be anything but real, but he's speaking for you and me. Because, you know, we live in Missouri, the show-me state. And if we're not careful, if we don't see it, we don't believe it. And Jesus is going to have to deal with that. So Thomas says, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, this is the famous saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth, you know him and have seen him. Philip then 
chimes in and says, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. And, and all of us Easter Walk folks, we can see uh, Brother Kevin and others stating these lines, you know. In verse 9, Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, three and a half years now, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Father, we ask you to add your blessings to the reading and preaching of your holy word. We're asking you, Father, to change us to look more like you as a result of these words found in John chapter 14. Help us to know you. Help us to be introduced to you on a deeper level tonight. In Jesus' precious and holy name we ask it. Amen. You may be seated. So, I preach this particular message well, not this message I'm going to preach to you. I, pre I preach this particular passage. I'd say about 50% of the uh, funeral services, memorial services that I do because it's such a tailor-made introduction to the gospel. At a funeral, you know, you're going to hear the lines, heaven is a prepared place. Jesus is telling his inner circle, these 11 men, I'm going to make sure you have a place when you die. I mean, I mean, how refreshing, how encouraging, how security-filled, how significant-filled are those words? Jesus, the man that walks on water. Jesus, the man that raises people from the dead. Jesus, the man that can do anything. He can speak things into existence. I'm going to prepare you a place. Hallelujah. I've got a place when I die. I don't have a cabin on a hill. I have a mansion. I have something that no one on this planet could afford because it's been bought with the blood of Jesus. So heaven is a prepared place. It's a prepared place for a prepared people. You have to make this decision on this side of eternity. You can't get there and see it all and go, yep, I want this. Too late. Too late. You have to make the decision, and honestly... If that decision has not been made in your life, you need to make that decision today because we're not promised tomorrow. I love that scripture that says today is the day of salvation. Did you know that that verse is accurate every day for someone? Today is the day of salvation. I believe someone's getting saved every day on this planet somewhere. Today is the day of salvation. It's a prepared place for a prepared people for an appointed time. You see, the scripture is very clear. Uh, Gerald Mitchell used to say this. First time I heard him say this, Steve, I just, it, it shocked me. The most startling statistic on this planet is one out of every one person dies. <laughs> and I went, ow, oh, that hurts. And it's true. One out of every one person dies. 
It's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. Now, watch this. For us that know Jesus Christ as Savior, that's a judgment not to worry about. You've been taken care of because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you shouldn't take it seriously. You should take it seriously because for us as Christians, that judgment is going to be weighing our works, not whether or not we get to have heaven, whether or not how many crowns we get to throw at the feet of Jesus. What were our motives? Why did we do what we did? And if you and I did things for people to applaud us and or, you know, to, for us to receive stuff, that's wood, hay, and stubble. It's going to burn in the judgment of Jesus. But if you did these things for Christ and Christ alone, gold, bronze, and the, the other, what is it, the three precious metals that he lists there? Gold, silver. How could I forget silver? Gold, silver, and bronze. And so those things are going to materialize into crowns, and we're going to be able to offer those back to Christ because we couldn't do any of that without Christ. That, that's exciting and, and good stuff. But the famous saying is right here in verse 6, Jesus saith unto him, because Thomas is, is genuinely saying, Lord, I, you know, <laughs> I appreciate everything you're saying, but I don't know how in the world we're going to get there because we don't know the way. And... and he was, he was, you know, and Jesus realized that. And, and Jesus says, Thomas, look at me. I, and, and the first person I ever heard say this was Gavin. Truth is a person. Truth is a person. It's not a thing. Truth is, is Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Now, so we're just going to dive in here. Point number one. We've got the path that this verse declares. The path that this verse declares. Jesus is the only way to heaven. I, Larry Sykes used to say quite a bit. He's not a good way. He's not the best way. And I remember the first time he said this. I'm thinking, where is he going with this? And then Larry said, Jesus is the only way to heaven. And then I went, ooh, that's good. <laughs> Be, because what about the crowd that says, well, there's many roads to heaven? They're wrong. They're 100% wrong. And you and I should not get red in the face about that. We should say, can we get a cup of coffee together? Because I I would like to explore that with you. I don't personally agree with that statement, but I love you, and I would love, let, let's, let's see if we can't, you know, sharpen one another. Church, we're going to win this nation back one person at a time. And if we love them enough to say, mm, you know, maybe not, but... I. I don't know where you're coming from. I don't know your script in life. Let's sit down and let's get to know each other a little better. And I'd love to share with you why I believe a little different in the such. Well, a lot different in this case, but you see where I'm going. You, 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 <clears throat> you give the medicine with as much honey as you can, but you, but you give it. And so the path in this verse declares that Jesus is the only way to heaven. This is why, in my humble opinion, 
in the CNN crowd, if you will, uh, in the crowd outside of these walls that do not agree with us at all, this is the most controversial verse that you can think of. That you would be so, uh, and you know, fill in the blank here, so mean-spirited, so close-minded, fill in the blank, that you would say that there's only one way to heaven. But watch this. What if there is only one way to heaven? Then those people that are so bold to tell you, that means they love you more than anyone else does. And, and this is where I haven't hit on this a lot because we've got a lot of it going on in our church, so I don't want to seem or sound insensitive. But guys, I really believe this is one of the best approaches. When I have to tell someone something that is very close-minded, if you will, something that is so narrow, I tell them we see ourselves as the cancer doctrine. Guys, if you got issues and you go to a cancer doctor, the last thing you want to hear him say is, you have cancer. But if it is true, you want him to say it. You know why? There might be a cure. And he may know it. And he may have the cure. We, yes, we are in an unprecedented time. More and more and more people are getting cancer. We're also in an unprecedented time. More and more people are getting cured from cancer on a daily basis. And back in the 80s, cancer was a death sentence, period. End of story. You got cancer, it was over. Not the case anymore. 2023, we're seeing people with multiple types of cancer be healed. Why? Because there are some cures out there. Hallelujah. Praise the Lamb. There's only one cure for sin. His name is Jesus. And we got to love this world enough to tell them. You've got cancer. We call it sin. And Jesus heals sin with no problem. <laughs> he does it every day, all day. He's the sin doctor, and we'll go to him. So point number one, the path this verse declares. Jesus is the only way to heaven. Point number two, the problem that this verse creates. <laughs> And we've really covered it under point one. But you're going to have an issue with your friends, neighbors, and relatives as you lovingly declare that Jesus is the only way to heaven. You need to be prepared for that. You need to love them enough to still tell them that. You need to live your life in such a way that it's not, uh, you know, an in-your-face thing. But, but they can see a difference. I've had, in this church, I've had people tell me, the reason that I came to Christ or the reason that I'm coming to Bethel or the reason that I started going to church is because that person that now comes to your church, they used to be this way, but now this, they're this way. So I knew that there was something real about Jesus. Ed Leach was one of those people. He was one of those people. Ed Leach was known to have a foul mouth. Oh, my goodness. And when he got saved, that's when he started doing the jikabachi thing because he had to replace those cuss words. That's right. And, and, and when you would hear Ed going, hum, 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 he was fighting that urge to go blankety blank blank. And he fought it, and he overcome it, and Jesus changed Ed Leach's speech. He did. He'll do that for you and I as well. Now, this is an excellent place for me to say one of my most favorite lines. If you're out there and you're saying things you ought not to say and you say, well, that's just the way I am, listen to me. That's why Jesus died, to change the way you are. About, goodness, Molly, I don't even know now 
how many years ago it was that I acted a fool in my own house, and I basically threatened violence to my family, uh, probably close to 18 years ago now. Uh, all of my kids were very small. I don't even know if Tony was around at that point, but anger was getting the best of me. And it was at that moment that Jesus made it very clear to me. You're going to lose your ministry, and you're going to lose your family if you don't change. And folks, I can't speak for you, but I'm not willing to lose either one of those. For a bad attitude and temper, and I'm standing here today telling you, whatever you got going on, Jesus can change it. He can change it, and he can turn you into the person he wants you to be. Point number three, the three tenses this verse presents. Now, <laughs> I always remember uh, John Smith. He said, Ben, not every idea you have for a sermon is a great idea. <laughs> and then he said, he said, I had a sermon that I thought was just an end-all sermon, the cupbearer to the king, because I think it was Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. So he built a whole message on a cupbearer to the king, and he said it was the worst message I ever preached. Never preached it again. And such. So th this point of this message may not make it to you. I hope and pray it does. It meant something to me. I'm going to do my best to try to explain it. But when you look at those three words, the way, the truth, and the life, don't build a doctrine on it, but I want to put tenses Past, present, and future. I want to build categories, okay? So we have the past tense of the way. We have the present tense of the truth. And then we have the future tense of the life. Just for a moment, the three tenses in this verse that it presents. First of all, in the past tense, he's the way. Think of this word to go with this. He's the direction. Jesus is the direction that all of us need to go. Jesus never offended anyone because of his attitude or his decisions. He offended plenty of people because of who he was. And, and we know, we understand this, when somebody in our life is better than us, if you will, in the Christian life, don't we get offended? <laughs> you gave how much to church last year? <laughs> you know, type thing. And, and I, I'm hopefully, I'm just using that as a loving example. But, but we, we get offended because they're better at doing something that we want to do. If you will, we get convicted. Can you imagine being a brother to Jesus? And your mother saying, why can't you be like, more like your older brother? <laughs> I don't want to be like him, you know. Uh, and and, and it's, it's jealousy. But watch this. Church, every person in here, we understand that we need to be more and more and more like Jesus. The direction. Jesus is telling Thomas, you need to follow me. You need to realize who I am. And then under this, so you got the past tense, the way, the direction. He's the doorway. He's the doorway. Now, uh, this, here's another thing that, that most folks pass over. The Old Testament saints 
were saved the same way you and I are, and that is in trusting in the blood of Jesus sacrificed on the cross with this exception. They were saved by believing that Jesus would come. They didn't know to call him Jesus at that point. The Messiah, the chosen one of God, the Son of God, will come and bear our sins. That's why we're sacrificing these doves. That's why we're sacrificing these lambs. No animal's blood remits sin, but we're doing this as an act of faith that someday God's chosen Messiah will come and bear our sins away. So they were saved by looking forward to the cross. You and I are saved by looking backward to the cross and saying, we believe he did come. We believe he did die. We believe he did raise. And every man, woman, boy, and girl that accepts what Jesus did on the cross is saved. He's the doorway to heaven. So now we have the present tense. Jesus is the truth. This is ongoing right here, right now. He's the truth. The the other phrase underneath that, he's the standard. You're not going to get to heaven by your good works. You're going to get to heaven by Jesus' good work. Singular. The work of the cross. And that, that encompasses everything that Jesus did. It encompasses the resurrection. It encompasses his sinless life. He's the standard. He's, he's who you and I are trying to live up to. The standard is how you follow the direction of Jesus. And then lastly, this is similar to the doorway. He's the gateway. He's the gateway to the standard. You and I are not going to keep the Jesus life without Jesus coming inside of us and living it. I need, I need you to do it. Now, and, and, you know, even though it breaks down a little bit in that the father does not literally come into the child, but it's similar to when a child is trying to learn how to bat, you know, hit a golf ball, many times the father will overshadow and gently grab the hands and show the son or daughter the motion. And it, it clicks for that son or daughter. Oh, oh, okay. This is how you want me to do it. Jesus does that literally through the Holy Spirit. He indwells us and he does. Because, folks, I'm going to tell you, even though, hallelujah, praise the Lamb, I've come a long way when it comes to my anger, it's still there. But I crucify it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you can too. Whatever it is that you struggle with on a daily basis, you can go through the gateway of Jesus Christ to meet the standard, which is the truth that God wants you to do. And then in the future tense, Jesus is the life. You see, this is an area that I'm still learning about. We're trying to achieve the life of Jesus. We're trying to achieve doing what Jesus did on this planet. We're trying to achieve that ultimate attitude about being positive. We're trying to achieve that ultimate love, to love people where they're at, not get all worked up that they're this, that, or the other. We're trying to achieve that sinlessness, if you will, of overcoming the the constant struggles that we face. He's the life. It's the life that we want. And that brings us to the second thing underneath the future tense, joy. Trying to get to joy. I can't speak for you, but I don't want to just live life. I want to enjoy it. I I, want to, you know, sit there like you're sitting in front of that, uh, it'll come to me, 
fire hydrant and you're, you're just taking it. You're living life. You're having that joy. You know, most of the times when you'll ask somebody, how you doing? And you know what they'll say? I'm living the dream. They don't mean that. <laughs> They're being sarcastic. They're living the nightmare. <laughs> I got to do this. I got to do that. You know, I can't get my wife off my back. You know, whatever. I mean, you know, fill in the blank. Or my husband off my back. Fill in the blank. Yeah, don't be elbowing anybody. But you see what I'm saying? But we, the Christians, the Christians should really, truly be living that joyful life. And then lastly, under the future tense, he's the good shepherd. You know, it's one thing to be a doorway. It's one thing to be a gateway. But the good shepherd shows you how to live the life. The good shepherd says, come on, follow me. Follow me. The most difficult passage in the word of God is difficult because the only way to accomplish it is to crucify flesh, to crucify ourselves. For us to say, you're right, Jesus, you're the only way to heaven, we have to come to the end of ourselves to say that. The only way that we can say that he's the direction, he's the doorway, we've got to come to the end of ourselves. He's the standard, he's the gateway, end of ourselves. He's the life, he's the joy. We want to hold on to what our life is, but watch this. I love that verse that says, our life is hid in him. When you and I successfully on a daily basis crucify our flesh, we're going to live the life that Jesus always intended for us, and it's going to be the best life that we can do. Your best life now is allowing Jesus to live this life through you. Let's stand, musicians, will you come? As uh, the musicians are coming, I want to just give you a prayer request because I really believe that there is more on the table, if you will, that I could do when it comes to a memorial service or a funeral service. It's become my habit to give out my phone number uh, and the such to help in counseling with grief-type situations, but I still think there's more out there that I could do, uh, whether it's a business card, whether it's a website or whatever, that, that they could go to after that service and hear more about the way, the truth, and the life. So you, you just pray that the Lord will help me develop that idea, if you will, so that we can better minister. Guys, I'm telling you, you know, and, and this isn't a, any shot at my son, I'd rather do 10 funerals to one wedding. And, and all I mean by that is that at a funeral, everyone's ears are open. Because number one, they're hurt foundationally, because of the loss. Number two, they know they're going to face that someday, and they want to know, and they want to know. And I, I pretty much regularly send out a text to all of our deacons uh, and our staff when I'm doing a service because I, I want prayer support. I want these people to know that we're not just doing a service. We could be preparing their lives for their eternity. And then all of a sudden, it's so much more than just a memorial service. So I ask you to, to help me in that area. If you're here tonight and you've never, ever accepted Christ, we'd love for you to come. This is an invitation. We're inviting you to come. We'll send you with someone gender appropriate. They'll share the gospel with you. Maybe you just want to turn this into an old-fashioned altar, whatever the case may be. Will you come? Room at the cross for you.